Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Here we are again, episode 25. So I'm going to do a really short introduction. I'm just going to jump straight into the episode today because this is the one this is the one I was so excited about because this actually Fred didn't know this this was the one that kind of triggered this whole new series of great more I had this idea Fred was someone who I interviewed in the original series almost to the week five years ago and I wanted to know what had gone on and I emailed him and he said yeah yeah of course I'll come on and to say kind of Fred's gone from strength to strength is such understatement Fred is the co-founder of the B1M, which is the largest construction YouTube channel with over a million and a half subscribers. Um, and you should go on it. It's the, the content is so good. Um, and I just wanted to know what he's up to. And we have such an interesting conversation. We talk all about the kind of other highs and lows of what it's like to create a business for yourself, what it's like to become a manager, what it's like to have to like mentor people, all of the kind of all of the interesting things you just love to know of these people who run this company. So Fred was incredibly generous with his time and he's always so nice to talk to. So I'm just going to jump into it and uh, listen to the end to find out on, on who's on next week's podcast. So this is episode 25 with Fred Mills. Enjoy. Anyway, Fred, you're back. I am. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> the reason I'm so excited about this podcast is people who don't know... Uh, on January the 16th, so in like, what, three, two or three weeks, will be exactly five years to the last time that I was face-to-face with you and interviewed you. And I was fascinated because you've had such a, like a, I would say meteoric trajectory, but I'm sure you'll say it didn't feel like that at the time. But it's, I wanted to know what's been going on for the last five years because it's been crazy for you, right? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty freaking scary when you say it was five years ago. I'm like, where the hell has that time gone? Um, and when you contacted me about this, I was like, what? It's been five years. Um, yeah, no, it's been it's been good. It's been going well, I guess. Um, going well. Hang on, let's put this in perspective. So five years ago, you had 10,000 subscribers. And I think I checked yesterday and you had something like 1.6 million? 1.5? Yes. 1.6? Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been it's been a hard... We've been lucky in many ways. I've been... You know, I've been lucky in many ways, but the harder I've worked, the luckier I've got with it, really. We've... we've you know, I've... It's been a hard graft. I think people see the tip of the iceberg you know is it's it's awesome and it's amazing but if you imagine how hard it is and then times up by 50 that's what it's like it's it's been extremely difficult but we're we're over that tipping point now which is great i think that's one of the reasons i was really excited to do this was because i actually like hearing the challenges that you've had almost more than the kind of it, you call it the iceberg effect but it's like yeah I, the more i get to like talk to you and I, every now and again i email you and you're like yeah, it's so intense <laughs> just <laughs> relentless yeah 
yeah, it's horrendous. And this this week where we're talking, so I'm giving away when you're filming, recording this, but uh, this week before Christmas is horrendous. People are like, oh, can I have half hour catch up today? No, no, you cannot. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in fully booked for 2020. The really luxurious position of having some of your time. <laughs> you are. You should. <laughs> so someone who doesn't know what the B1M is, and I can't imagine that is, how would you describe it then? Um, well, it, in straightforward terms, we're the world's largest, most subscribed to video platform for construction. We create uh, our own content. We put it out every week and we have just under 20 million people now tuning in each month to watch it. So yeah, it's cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm very mission focused. You know, yes, we are a, a media publishing company. Uh, we, you know, we have a business model that we are, what we do, but you know, our, our mission is that we love construction and we want the whole world to love it too. And that's, that's driven everything I've done from the videos we've made to the staff we've hired to the decisions we've taken to products we've covered you know it's it guides everything we do that is that is the mission you know i have complete passion for this industry and i genuinely want billions of people on this planet to share that passion too because for too long people haven't realized just how impactful this industry is and how it underpins everything we do from schools to homes to hospitals to infrastructure to you know how people feel when they wake up in the morning and how they go out in the day all of that is governed by buildings so it's high time in the world saw its importance and that we you know gave the industry more of a platform up there in the mainstream in the media and yeah attracted more people to work in it basically it's been amazing to to, to kind of uh, you just said like you had this really clear mission statement and i think when we first spoke five years ago it's it's evolved it, yeah. and, and i actually think i having been someone who watched the videos the more like focused you've got on that mission the better the videos have got and maybe not better in quality but like you just understand why you're watching them more and it's what was the original mission statement you remember five years ago it was yeah obviously we started around the bim stuff and i've, I've always wanted to improve the industry you know whether that's from i think we, we had reasonably modest ambitions to start with but that's kind of yeah as, as actually it was the week after i met you in 2016 we, we kind of quite aggressively started taking it to broader construction outside of just building information modeling um, and obviously since then we've like massively diversified into all of the stuff and we're, yeah, we're about to launch new channels and stuff mm. now which is really exciting um so yeah it's been i think but having that kind of north star that that guiding mission behind everything you do has been great for as i say it's been great for our team and great for our kind of ethos but also really cool for engaging people and getting them to follow it's not it's not just it's not just cool videos about construction there's a genuine mission here um and people really connect with that which is great yeah it felt, i can't remember what it was maybe maybe a year ago i felt this there was like a tipping point where it felt like it was interesting. It felt like you you were you were creating videos about things that I hadn't necessarily realised was super interesting until you until you like spoke about it. I was like, that is really interesting. I'd not thought of it like that. Whereas now the videos are like, they're they're more like news. They're, as in, they're they're less like you having to really find things that are interesting and interesting things are coming to you and are being promoted through you. <laughs> yeah, we are complete. We are completely overwhelmed with incoming correspondence, I and mean, that's one of our biggest challenges. We get hundreds of emails a day and we do not come close to responding to it all so that you know picking what you're going to do and where you're going to focus your time has become a real a real difficult thing for us and trying to kind of put barriers and gates up to stuff coming in is 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 hard but it's, it's been great you know it's great to be in that position um so yeah and we've we've really like you say about the kind of the news approach you know we've we've massively increased our editorial integrity uh, editorial guidelines uh values you know all, all that kind of back of house stuff you don't see the machine is a lot more perfected now um and yeah so that's that's kind of where we focused it and the, the point you're making about it kind of appealing to more people i think that's what you're leading to anyway we've we've 
deliberately tried to take what is quite a a sort of a stuffy and closed away industry that most people don't know about and don't understand and their only experience of it is noise and dust and hassle and try to put it in a way that communicates just what it does to our world you know whether that is its impact on on climate change its impact on you know other major social issues like housing or shapes of society that kind of stuff transport infrastructure all of that We've tried to put it in a way that makes it relatable and connects to people and is the kind of stuff that would be on, if you know, if it was on TV, you wouldn't turn it over. Yeah, because when, um, yeah, I, I, I'm constantly relating it back to the first time we met because I, I, <laughs> I find it so interesting because I think I'm one, I, I love the idea of entrepreneurs and I love the idea of people get, doing something they believe in and like investing in it and having the passion to go for it. But ultimately, it's not what it, you first set out to be and, and it's kind of changed and evolved so quickly because... I think five years ago you were interviewing like BIM specialists and things and you, and you had a different, it was you and another person and you were sharing the time on screen. And then what, like two weeks ago you had, you were interviewing like Richard Branson and B.R. Kingles and I was like, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I think it, it's evolved as we've grown it, which is, which is what we've wanted to do. I mean, I've always been far too ambitious with it basically and quite aggressively ambitious with it. Um, and that, that's got easier over the last few years because suddenly it started connecting people start seeing the vision and they see the momentum and it's much easier now to get great people to come and work with us it's much easier to get access to big ben or richard branson or you know wherever it may be and that's made it that's made it a lot easier but now we want to build on that massively and take it to the to the next level uh so yeah oh my god because the, the big ben one's like a perfect case in point which is like you were you were invited to come on at a specific time it wasn't like you heard about it and then you tried to build a story around it it was like no you were you you were given opportunity to be there at the exact time to get maximum publicity and things yeah no, we're doing a lot of working with with big organizations in advance to you know have stuff ready to, to release around big news events you know uh virgin hyper is one of those we did under nda um same with a few other projects we're working on at the minute which obviously i can't talk about on a podcast um so yeah that, that sort of stuff's been been really cool and um, as we've kind of proven ourselves on on you know all kinds of different projects with different higher and higher caliber people we've we've built a lot of trust with major brands so yeah it's been cool and how, how do you how do you um quantify you know you were saying how many people view these videos each month the interesting thing I must think, like with television, you're like, oh, we've got, you know, we can get a minute on ITV news, but you don't really know exactly how many people, and you definitely don't know the key demographic or who they are. <laughs> Whereas you can say, oh, we have 20, and we know exactly who they are. So I'd imagine news networks are kind of just shifting their viewing, uh, not news networks, sorry, people who want to promote things in the news are actually coming to you before like before in typical news channels now yeah definitely you know it's part of the it's, it's kind of part of their approach to market now you know virgin hyperloop the the kind of the main announcement was in the new york times but they wanted the the video and the social media announcement to be on b1m so we kind of were working with the new york times team to make sure everything was you know <clears throat> coming out in the right way and and timed the right way um same with you know <laughs> to a lesser extent the construction playbook but uh which is obviously far less interesting than version high loop but uh you know working with the the cabinet office and the treasury to to interview the right people there and get that video produced and out on time around the release of the playbook was was cool so yeah it's good what's the how long does it take to organize like the hyperloop one how, how much like from the day that you first hear you're going to do it is it like a week, three months, six that's, months? That's an extreme example. So we normally we normally take sort of five to six weeks to produce a video. We can produce them much faster than that. Um, with Virgin, we were brought into the loop about three weeks before. We got you know we got some of the, the footage and stuff to hand. We cut together the video. 
we had interview segments. We knew what we were going to ask them. And then the interviews took place on the Monday after the tests. Uh, and we kind of cut them in, re-edited, re-VO'd, worked on that till about two in the morning and published it at two in the morning. It was extremely intense trying to do, especially with remote working as well. So we're not next to each other. We're having to work it all like <clears throat> apart. Um, that was that was pretty intense. That's, that's the first time we've kind of turned around a news story and a video of that quality and that importance that quickly. Uh, but it was good. We yeah, it's good fun. We learned a lot from that. Great adrenaline. <laughs> how much like how much like, QA do you have before a video goes out? Because it's not like I oh, will put it on and no one will notice. Like there's a single mistake. You're like you say the wrong thing. Your clothing's not right. It's like everyone on YouTube comments. Like Meh. yeah, I mean that's part of our editorial integrity. We are we are forensic with reviewing stuff, and there's there are processes throughout from idea, storyboard, scripts, edit, sign off. You know all, all that stuff is stuff we have to kind of forensically. Yeah. <laughs> friends that you watch I and mean, that we built you know, since we last but we built a lot of infrastructure around that you know from yeah processes to servers to legal advice and policies and yeah <laughs> and now how much like how big's the the team now like uh, yeah. kind of 12 people that work on it all together but we are expanding quite rapidly in kind of january 2021 which is cool um go so, on yeah. what are you expanding how are you expanding <laughs> um so what you were bringing on i can't go the whole strategy but we're bringing on some some new channels which is going to be interesting and we want to massively increase the production quality up to you know serious television netflix grade standards uh so yeah it's good we've you know, we've we've got investment and backing to do that which is phenomenal um and yeah I, to be honest i feel i feel kind of bad saying it because I, i'm acutely aware of how tough the last 12 months has been for so many people in so many countries um and we've we've had our fair share of that you know everyone has had their fair share of every, everyone's got a covid story haven't they about how how rubbish it's been um but in the main we've we've been very lucky you know we've we've had some great people we've had some great opportunities we've gone over 200 million views we hit a million subs we've been listed in the times we got richard branson you know it's 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 been awesome um and off the back of all that, we're now you know taking serious strides forward, which is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult thing to say because I'm conscious that the world's really hurting at the moment. Yeah, I, I I totally I completely understand why you're a bit hesitant to be like we've had a great year, but it's been tough. Because yeah. I it, I found that um the the company I work at now we're doing like a a more serious podcast, you know, a bit about the company and about the about the kind of world of architecture, actually everyone being at home has meant it's super easy to talk to people now. And, and also like, I, I know we're talking this wonderful podcast equipment that I absolutely love and <laughs> I've missed so much hearing these microphones, <laughs> but over teams now, everyone's got used to it. Yeah. I can't imagine that a year ago you would have thought your biggest ever interview would be done over teams. You'd be like, no, I want to do it face to face with all the cameras on. But <laughs> have you found that people are more willing to kind of talk to you because they can just click a button from their home and yeah, it's it's made things quicker and easier in that regard. And there's there's a there's obviously a lesser quality on Zoom that that you know that <laughs> that everyone's contending with from BBC News to CNN and all the rest of it. Um, but you know that's that's just par for the course, and that is the world we live in now. Um, it's definitely made things quicker and easier for us. You know, the, there's the entire travel element, which was a massive part of what we did, is gone. So the the cost and the headspace and the time that went with that is all back in our lives, which has been huge for us. Um, and yeah, particularly with like Zoom interviews and stuff, we can do them and have them out same day. We can interview, you know, Bjork Ingalls was in Copenhagen. Richard Branson was in the British Virgin Islands uh, and Josh Geigel was in Nevada and I was in London. So we did all of those in one day, all of, you know, and got it out same day. So 
Yeah, it's cool. How um how so you were, you just touched on kind of upgrades for next year. I've noticed that it, what's interesting is it, it seems to be exponential the curve on YouTube of of people who are subscribing. So like I guess the from zero to ten thousand may have taken a year, and then the next hundred thousand took a year, and then suddenly I've watched it in the last six months just exponentially grow it seems to be algorithms or whatever they just it, it snowballs doesn't it yeah and casey neistat did a really good video on this explaining how it works and stuff but it's 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 one of those platforms when you crack it you seriously crack it and i yeah we hit ten thousand subscribers in august 2017 mm. um and i'd spent you know five six years getting to that point and i was thinking wow this is taking a long time so a hundred thousand is going to be like a decade away and then yet yeah, 11 months later we hit 100k and then a year later we hit a million and now we're on one point yeah yeah it's well over that which is awesome so um it's one of those things when you crack it it just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and you know minimum we get sort of between two three hundred thousand views per video just on youtube now um and obviously you know side that the instagram's really taken off facebook's really taken off uh twitter's on fire it's, it's great it's going really really well so how so you're obviously the kind of key face and the voice of it, but ultimately behind you, there's an enormous team of people who are doing that. There's so many different avenues that you're now promoting or publishing through. Do you have to kind of, there's just too many videos and too much things for you to get involved in. Do you take a step back? I notice on Instagram now, you've got some that don't have your voice on the kind of text, the kind of shorter clips and stuff. So you're able to kind of spread your time, I guess. I am editorially involved in every single video, which is a uh, problem we are addressing. <laughs> um, and yet, you know, to a point, you know, because I'm involved in every video, I'm, I am the face and voice of most videos, uh, or certainly every, all of our documentary style videos, I will need to be across them in some way to know what I'm saying and what's going on. Um, but yeah, we're building more of an infra infrastructure around that, which will be good. Um, but yeah, no, um, yeah. As it stands at the moment, I'm kind of the editor in chief role, so I do look at every article, every social media post, every video um, before it goes out. So, so how, how does the pipeline work? There, people are producing it all; they come to you. So you've actually got more content than you know what to do with now, as opposed to like just going, "God, what can we do this week?" <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bit like that. So we, we, there are so many different ideas on the table, and so many different people wanting videos made. The world and his wife wants a video on the B1M, which is great but we can't make all of them and we have to be quite frank with people when they, their idea just isn't very good, <laughs> um, which happens a lot. Um, so yeah, we have like an editorial meeting, like a really you know, deep editorial meeting once a week with everyone around the table talking about um, ideas and you know, thrashing out how we can put them in the most compelling way, what the best angle is, what the story is going to be. Um, and then from kind of that ideation stage, we have storyboarding or you know, synopsis of what we're going to do. Um, and then, uh, working with partners to bring third parties in, you know, whether we need site access or interviews or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, scripting, VO, editing, edit approval, uh, release plan, and then distribution, which obviously can run for anywhere to, you know, from a couple of weeks to a few months or even a year sometimes if it's a really popular timeless video. So, how, how, do, you, how do you find that? So uh, when, when you're an architecture project, it might be a three-month thing, it might be six months, it might be two years. The, the, the time frames vary so constantly. You've got to kind of, you know you've got to produce a video of excellent quality every Wednesday. And even though it's like a, it's just a psychological constant drip, drip of pressure, right? If that's something you got used to, it, you were always fine with it or? Yeah, I think when it was just me, um, you know, getting it to be a one-week, a one-video-a-week channel was was seriously tough and you're right there's no off switch and it's, it's really hard going part of what's made the b and successful is i i quite early on 
worked out what I'd need investment-wise, support-wise, team-wise to have the infrastructure to always put out a video every single Wednesday of high quality. And getting that kind of that in place early on was really important. I think you know, a lot of people start channels and things. I think it's one thing being passionate about what you do and, and loving what you do, which is which is critical. That's the most important thing. So if you have that, it shines through. But you need to build the the communications and the publishing infrastructure to help get your message out to people who can actually see it, actually engage, and actually help it grow. Because if you don't do that, it's not gonna. You, know, you can be the most passionate person in the world, but it won't actually get anywhere. So if pe- if people are obviously are familiar with the fact that there's a video on YouTube each week, how many? Uh, what other types of things do you publish, or is it just on YouTube that you do stuff for? How many other avenues are you in now? Uh, so what you mean in terms of where we publish videos and no, stuff? No, is it is it always just YouTube videos, or do you do other things as well? Is it documents, or I, I don't know? Is it are you? Purely yeah, a YouTube so we do company? we do the, the main YouTube documentary or YouTube video every Wednesday, twelve noon UK time, and we'll put that across. Uh, you know snippets of that across other social networks as well we also do um some standalone like what we call like social media videos that are the square format text stuff that just go on some of the social platforms um so yeah it's a mixture we do articles on the website um we've done some webinar events this year we've done physical events last year like physical premiere events of of documentaries with panel discussions we've done youtube live streams facebook live streams it's uh yeah it's a lot it's a lot going on yeah <laughs> you always seem to be doing stuff i think what like do you remember originally i think the b1m was originally to get it was it was a, like a flex on bim but it was also like get a million subscribers or whatever right the, or something i can't remember what that if that was that the original one yeah we we're trying to take building information modeling <clears throat> to a million people get a million people aware of it because it was very much a an experts only thing so yeah when I mean, we've we've yeah, we've massively built on that. I guess we uh, we did look at actually changing the name, um, but it proved very difficult because the name we wanted to change to wasn't available, and we couldn't buy the domain. And then, at exactly the same time, the channel exploded with our with a big hit video that we had, kind of summer twenty eighteen. Um, Which video was that? Uh, the what was both? It was kind of Hyperloop explained and followed up by Norway's Coastal Highway. That kind of double hit for some reason just. We, we just ticked over 100,000 subscribers just before that. Um, and then, yeah, those two videos dropped and it would just went crazy. I remember that, yes, August 2018, within four days, a video had gone from nothing to a million views on YouTube, the Norway one. And that's my first video ever to hit a million views. And now we've got like 55 videos over a million views. It's just, that's how short the time frame has been and how it's just kind of exploded. It's been, it's been awesome. Because I remember that video. I was, it was a really good video. But like, it, what, gonna, I know what you're going to ask. <laughs> what, what, what was it about that video? You know, like, are you like, right, what is the secret sauce in that video? How do exactly. we replicate that? Exactly. You know, if, if we knew what made that video a huge hit, we'd do it every week, wouldn't we? I've had this in board meetings and everywhere else. Like, yes, we know. It's every frame of the video. Let's just replicate <laughs> we it. We know we need to make more noise. We are aware of this. And we have made several big hits since then. I think, I th- yeah, I, I don't know is the answer um it's a pretty crazy crazy ass project in put together with some pretty crazy visuals uh and it just kind of connected with people and took off so yeah <laughs> i just i just think I, I love the idea that you just come in one day and be like what is going on why, why this video like it's just the kind of we've worked so hard and this video has done more for us than five years worth of work why? yeah i remember we i remember that day and we because we uploaded it at obviously midday on a wednesday and my colleague Dan came to me at quarter past 12 and said, Fred, it's had 43,000 views. And I was like, well, you must be looking at the wrong video because it was only 15 minutes ago. He said, no, that's 
and the, the kind of the line chart on YouTube was just straight up. And we were like, oh, and they just didn't stop. It just kept going and going and going. And YouTube has this thing where it will, it will learn from the content in the first hour or so. And then if it's doing well, it will reserve it to a wider audience. And if that does well, it will reserve it to an even wider audience. So yeah, if you like imagine like, like a cross section of ocean waves, it's that, but the waves get much, 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 much bigger each time. Um, that's that's how most of our hit videos have taken off is by the algorithm judging early on what it thinks of it. So that first hour is critical. I laugh when people upload videos and go, "Oh yeah, we're going to start promoting that next week." <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> I think. Sorry if you're listening. You're not an idiot, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think there's there's like a. I just I think YouTube's incredible. This is like you think it's a meritocracy, right? The best videos always ride to the surface, and it, but I guess there's an element of luck and timing that's kind of thrown in as well. But yeah, it's good. They've they've built a very good algorithm to it. I mean, if you go back to the very the very core of the concept, you know, YouTube was your videos online for the first time, 2005. Isn't this going to be fun? Um, and they quickly realised that you know the way to sort video content is not by how many views it's got, or who's uploaded it, but by how long people watch it for, because that's the measure of a good video. You know, how many people are commenting, how many people are liking, how long are they watching this video for? That's the measure of of a successful video, and that's what they like because it drives you know audience retention is what drives people spending more time on youtube uh, which at the end of the day is what all the social networks want so yeah that's been when, when you understand that then you start to understand what makes good content and how to build it from there and why a two-minute video is not a good idea <laughs> well i think you, you your line of work above any other you get comments right it must be impossible i'm sure no matter how hard skinned you are you like don't go through the comments Oh yeah, there's hundreds. Right, there's one bad one. <laughs> Who's that person? <laughs> Did you find yourself doing that, or if you yeah, we do, learned? we do have to read every comment, and you know, YouTube filters help with that. I mean, we get tens of thousands of comments a month, so it is that that again is quite a difficult thing to have to manage and contend with, especially as we are a very small team doing a lot of work, um, and we have you know a much. This goes back to our kind of in, in editorial integrity stuff. You know, we have a lot more influence now and there is a lot more scrutiny on us you know there's some serious things happening we are being featured and mentioned and broadcast and displayed in some serious places now so what we do has to be right and what people are saying about it needs to be monitored and needs to be checked because it is being seen and it is influencing millions of people from children to you know people with learning disabilities and, and you know older people as well so uh, keeping that in check is a is a pretty serious thing. I've I personally, in terms of comments, I think I've got a lot better. I used to say things to your wife. <laughs> I've done it again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think by about by about mid 2016, 2017, I'd kind of I just got pretty thick skin to it. And you know, there are some things that we have taken seriously that we followed up on um, because you need to legally. You know, people making death threats and saying nasty things. But, uh, you know, other than that, I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever. I get, yeah, you must, you must just get used to it, right? As in like, okay, there's, there's a couple of bad comments, but you take it. I guess as well that you would have, your earlier videos, I mean, the quality maybe in the first year is nothing compared to what it was now and you'd have had negative comments then and you're like, clearly it doesn't matter. They're just, people just want to be negative. Yeah, I think, I think I've just learned to keep up more on a level with it. And, you know, part of today's world, I mean, you know, you live in it and lots of your listeners live in it as well you know there's just so much inbound stuff coming all the time from people commenting to messages to, to tweets to adverts and shit. i've i think i've learned quite effectively to kind of shut down a lot of that noise and focus on what i'm doing and my output and the immediate circle around me uh, and of course you know, we listen and we take it seriously but you can't if you just 
I find if I take every negative comment to heart, if I take every positive comment to heart, it, you can't live like that. Your ego would just be through the roof. Look, look, babes, I've got 10,000 great comments. I know I'm great. This argument is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, there's a big mental health thing with it as well because some people will, you know, their mood for the week will be completely governed by how their video is doing on YouTube. And if a video is a hit, you'll be in a good mood. And if it's bad and people are writing nasty things, you can't get away from it. And that can be really, really tough. So I've learned not to not to let my mental health be dictated by the internet is a, is a big thing. Well, I was, I was always really impressed right at the beginning that you had such a clear, I mean, I know it's changed, but there was like a clear business model and a strategy. You know, you were using YouTube as a, like a media platform, not like I'm Fred, everyone listened to my voice. It was, it was all about kind of, you, you had a mission and at the beginning it happened to be BIM and that's changed, but has the business model changed massively? Like how, how does it work? How do you make money? How do I do this? <laughs> <laughs> the irony is if I had a pound for every time someone asked me, how do you make money? I'd probably have made more money. But, um, <laughs> I've made that joke before, but it's a good one. So I'll wheel it out again here. Give you that pound. <laughs> so cheers. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the model is very similar to conventional publishing. You know, you build a massive audience and then because you have a massive audience, you can monetize it quite easily by people wanting to be in front of that audience. That is the same from adverts in a hard copy newspaper to adverts on television to you know, integrating brands and, and working with uh, partners and stuff on on online broadcast media as well. So that's that's very much our, our revenue kind of model. Um, within that, there's there's all kinds of things. So we you know we integrate brands into video content, into content that millions of people are immersed in watching. There's the events side of it. Um, there's research and reports. There's uh, YouTube ad revenue, which is a big thing. Facebook ad revenue is another thing as well. Um, but we're, we're really looking to diversify our revenue stream as well you know, with, with the kind of uh, investments and the, the big steps we want to take uh, in the next year, 18 months or so. We, we have to be more diversified with uh, more revenue streams and more fail-safes effectively. So that's a really exciting thing that we're, that we're working on. Yeah, we're talking to... A number of the broadcasters now about commissioned content for television as well you know through bbc studios through channel 4 um through netflix who you know channel 4 and netflix sort of buying from the same same people so that's really interesting um so yeah it's it's wow. cool it's good fun it's demanding but good fun i was gonna say because it feels I, I one of the questions i like is like what does success look like for you you know like um i heard someone saying you, know, you shouldn't you're not is your aim now 10 million is that like the next goal or did you think about numbers and I don't, I don't, I don't aim for numbers because I think that's just a bit. I mean, yes, it's a good metric and it's a good KPI and it's a very handy way of being able to to measure yourself. But that's not, that's not what we're completely governed by. This isn't just about you know get num get X number of followers on a certain platform, something like that. I, you know, I, I kind of this is going to sound strange, but I'm I kind of live quite a frustrating life because I have this very big, very bold vision for what I want to achieve, and I am very ambitious with it. And I feel like every day I get up and live in a world where people, not everybody fully understands that vision. So I have to drag the rest of the world uphill all the time. And, you know, I'm surrounded by fantastic people in my team who who do get it. I'm, I'm, yeah, even even within that team, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, just reminding and aligning people to where we want to go. Um, but, you know, we get, we get people in the industry and people outside the industry and brands and stuff and other partners coming to us and saying, oh, we could do this, we could do that. And people just, a lot of people just don't get it. Um, I think you know, if you look at where I was when I started, people are like, oh, yeah, people haven't got time to watch videos about construction. People, we don't need this. This is, this is not going to work. You know, go back and get a real job. Had all that rubbish. Um, and look where it is now. That's the kind of path I draw for people. Look, 
people said this wasn't going to happen, it wasn't going to work. Look at where we are now. Look at the impact it's having. Look at the influence and the respect and the the need for it in the industry. I want to do that 10 times over. I want complete and utter worldwide domination. I want, <laughs> in, in a nice way, not a scary way. In a dictatorship way, just yeah, everyone not, bow not, down not to Not me. in the Hitler sense. In the, <laughs> in the kind of like pop star sense. Pop star? God, I'm old. You know what I mean? Celebrity sense. Um, because, you know, that mission is, is, is genuine. It's real. You know, I want the whole world to love this industry as much as I do. And for me, that means reaching minimum a billion people. It means people genuinely understanding and getting what this industry is about and what that takes. And you know, I think as a species, we've done that with climate change broadly, apart from America. Um, but, you know, we've, we've, we've done that broadly in most places. So I think there is a way to get, to get you know, mass messaging out there and to, to change global society. That is, that is the goal. That's what we're trying to do. I've, I've given myself my whole life to do it. Um, but we're, we're more so the goal is that. global domination. That's that's what it is. <laughs> it doesn't sound pretty scary. But you, you, I didn't mean to come out that way. You're now a kind of tastemaker, aren't you? Though, like, if, for example, the the construction playbook, I realised even though I should know more about that being an architect in my profession, the first time I heard about it was actually through through the B1M, and I was like, I should really know more about that. But it did make me think that you can almost curate the next five years yourself, right? It's not like people come to me. It's like, well, which people best align to what we want to have happen right? yeah yeah and there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that and a lot of scrutiny that goes with that and a lot of difficult conversations that sometimes go with that because people wish you would see something a different way or, or say things a different way but that again comes back to this editorial integrity stuff you know um yes we are we are aware of how loud and influential and impactful our voice is and we need to be we need to be careful with it so yeah you're like, look, Mr. Branson, it's not what I want. Okay, it's not how we're going to do it. But because <laughs> I guess when you first started, you know, you would people are like, no one watches YouTube. Like you had to like constantly push, push, push. And now you're in these meetings like, well, 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 BBC, how times have changed. <laughs> you need our... I'm quite a modest person. <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> would the rest of your team agree? <laughs> I think they would. They, they think I'm too modest sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, um, I think... I'm also fascinated in the kind of demographic shift you must have had over the last five years. Like BIM was not the sexiest topic. I can't imagine it had the broadest demographic. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. But now you must, you know, you mentioned earlier, you have the young or older generation. Like, do, do, do you look at that on YouTube and think, how can we make the broadest possible video? Or do you just, the wording and the visuals that you use make it more broad? Yeah, I mean, we, we, I think accessibility is the main thing. I think making it accessible to a mass audience is is critical. And I think we walk a tightrope of trying to keep, you know, create content that is informative to the industry, that helps people navigate the industry, even though they work in it and may not fully understand it, but also takes this industry beyond the, the little closed groups and the trade shows and the events and the inward-facing media publishing firms that we have to actually take this out to the mainstream and get it out to the masses. So I think you're know, making stuff that is accessible whether you are at school working out what you want to do, whether you're at university studying architecture, construction management, any of that kind of stuff, or at university studying something else and wanting to change your degree because you've got hooked on B1M, which happens quite a few times, um, or whether you're, you know, you're, in, you're in old life or, or elsewhere in other industries, I think making it understandable for people is, is critical. It's not about just get as many people as you can. I think we want to, you know, that's a surefire way to failure, particularly in, in kind of media publishing. If you try and be all things to all people, that's, that's not the way to go. You need to, be, you need to focus on niches, is my, is my view. Um, but yeah, I think accessibility is, is key. 
Because you must, when you work with brands, do you have to have those awkward conversations? Or like, that's not, we're not going to talk like that. And I know that's what you, what you want us to get through. But people aren't going to engage. You need to soften it, make it broader. And they're like, no, no, that's too simple. You're like, trust me, no one's going to want to hear the way that you're describing it. Do you have to have this conversation? Yeah, and we, we have final editorial say is a line in, in all of our contracts, and we have come under immense pressure from massive companies over the years to let that go, and we've never let it go. We've walked away from a couple of projects in the past because they've pushed us too far they want us to say things that that we wouldn't want to say and it's just having that i think that there's an integrity point there that's something i'm quite passionate about but also from kind of like a business vision and business sense perspective you know if you are just taking some money from someone to say something that they want you to say that's fine that will pay that month's bills maybe but you are alienating your audience you're compromising your brand you are compromising what people choose to watch you for and if you do that the whole thing's over, isn't it? So it's it's kind of looking at it that way. You know, yes, I could compromise on this. I could say your product is the best thing in the world, but if I don't believe it and people know I don't believe it, that ain't going to work. And so there's, I guess, I, to be honest, I'd imagine looking back, the, the things you've said no to have been probably just as important to the things you've said yes to, right? That you must be oh, able completely. to like... Completely. Those mega moments in your career where you think, thank God we said no to that and we stuck to our guns. Yeah, and I'm very forensic about what I say yesterday. I read a really good book uh, back in the day. I think it was Greg McGowan, Essentialism. Really, really good. The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And it's about, you know, the more you say yes to things, the less time you will have to achieve what you want to achieve. So ask yourself what it is you want to achieve and then only say yes to the things that directly help you achieve that. And I think, you know, we've, we have had countless opportunities and we get it every day come and speak at this event, come and do this, come and set up this content series with us, come and launch this event with us, fly over here and talk about this, get Fred to talk about that. You know, it's it's overwhelming and we, we've decided not to do a lot of that stuff because we have a vision, we have a goal and that's what we're aiming for. And as I say to the team, you know, every time we decide to do something else that doesn't directly align to that, we are slowing ourselves down and we are compromising our, our mission and our business goals. How, um, how quickly did you, I, I guess where I'm going with this is, I personally am fascinated that you have such a clear vision for what you want to do. It's something that I I am so desperately seeking and I feel every now and again I get a taste of it. I would say I'm like quite creatively delicate. Like I think I've got this great idea. It probably is a great idea. And then someone goes, why are you doing that? And I'm like, oh, maybe it's not a great idea. You know, like how, at what point from the first five years did you kind of merge into this new vision or do you think it's actually you always had the seed and actually you realized I've always had that vision. I just didn't realize what it was. And it's a good question. I think we're just all getting, all getting a bit deep, isn't it? My uh, <laughs> opening up here. My um, my kind of my love for construction has always been there, and I know it sounds cheesy, and everyone says it, but from when I was a kid, I did actually love building things, and I loved Lego, and I kind of followed that through school and all the rest of it. So that that passion has always been there. Um, when I first started working in the industry, I to be honest, I got pretty disillusioned. I didn't like it, and around twenty. 2009 2010 I actually looked at leading the industry altogether because I hated it so much but that kind of seed of passion inside me was still there and I decided to stay and try and do something about it which is how building information modeling and then the B1M and then this you know huge machine that's trying to change the perception of construction really took off um so that and I equally I've I'd read reasonably early on in life you know several several books from successful people i've been i've always been drawn to looking and admiring successful people and i think if you look at what they look at most successful people they are very you know they, they are conviction in terms of what they do you know they, they completely believe to the core in what they are doing and they follow that through i think it's important for people listening to understand that i, I think there's the there's the external and the kind of public 
face you see of B1M and Fred Mills and the vision and oh my god he loves construction inside out there have been some dark moments they really have I mean it not since kind of mid 2018 since stuff really started rising but yeah there's been some there were some really tough days where I've been like literally in tears and been like I'm quitting I can't do this anymore it's just too difficult it is not worth this amount of grief and pain and distance from my family and relationship disintegration that it's causing all the rest of it so um you know I, i've had my dark moments and we don't have i don't have, i don't have make or break days anymore i have tougher days now because there there are bigger things you know, every single thing i seem to do every meeting i go to every conversation i have is is incredibly consequential to what we're trying to do or to someone's life or to do a video or to you know the next step of the business or to the way a certain topic is going to be perceived in the industry so that's that's a big there's that side of it which is quite high pressure but um yeah i i, I had my dark moments privately I, I think it's uh i i guess i'm fascinated with pressure as well i think uh it seems to be as i get older the projects get bigger they get more serious and ultimately like dealing with pressure is like one of the hardest things you can't run away you especially when you're a parent you know suddenly it fixates this idea that okay this, i'm in it now i can't change i can't do okay i've just got to like concentrate on pressure and i think uh, that's why i was curious about this whole like do you do you sometimes feel like there's this relentless drive to do videos or each week is exciting and i can't because you've got the why you know you you, you believe in that sub question that you've built everything on top of that core value is kind of even on your darkest days, managed to go, yeah, okay, fine. Still still doing the best for the construction. Yeah, I do I do absolutely love doing it. There's still today, there's nothing I love more than taking a, a really cool story or you know, a really cool project and, and crafting it into a beautiful story and then telling it online and seeing millions of people react to it is the best feeling in the world. I love it to bits. Um, it, I've, I'm lucky now because I've got a really good team and, and some great infrastructure around me. Um, but it is, it is quite claustrophobic some days. You know, there, there is no off switch to this, um, particularly when you're you know, running the business side of it as well. It doesn't matter where you are in the world or, you know, how far you've traveled to try and get away from it. it. You're always on. There will always be something happening. There will always be shit going down somewhere and a problem to fix. Have you ever had any unnerving moments where you've just looked over and you've watched, seen someone on their phone just watching a B1M video and you're like... <laughs> on the tube or something I like on an airplane actually there's, really? a guy, yeah, there's a guy who downloaded it and was watching it in the seat next to me and i'm like this is weird do i tell like, him should i have a conversation with him <clears throat> <laughs> i don't think because he, he watched he was watching something i was in as well i'd got up to go to the flight to la and i got up and gone to the loo twice and he didn't notice so didn't <laughs> just leaning in front of him like, waving <laughs> well i was going to ask you about the business side as well because when you first started you know you would have been on your own but actually now you're not only do you videos, you're running a whole company. You're like the boss of a company. You, I, I was chatting to these guys yesterday uh, who started a Kickstarter campaign like five years ago to do bikes. Now they sell you know, millions of pounds worth of bikes and they run a company and they're like, they're like a little bit like you, you know, like because we believe in this passion for like e-bikes and the future of travel, it, that's our core value and people can buy into that mission statement. So actually it's made it relatively simple for us because it, it's not like we've changed our mission values. It's not like that's, changed at all you join because of that statement yeah. and, and we we all help build that do you, do you find that as well with with your team yeah definitely i've, I've got luckier as I, was, I keep saying the same thing over and over but i've got luckier as we've built kind of more infrastructure around me so you know there is an accountant team there's a legal team there's you know i've got more hr support now which is great um but ultimately yeah it is the business side as we, as we currently stand today is is still too much on my shoulders and we're trying to you know work to address that um but yeah the, my job is not just 
not just my actual job, but I've got the role of you know, inspiring people in the team, motivating them, making sure they're happy, making sure the business is going in the right direction, making we're saying yes, making sure we're saying yes to the right things and no to the right things, um, making sure we're not compromising on what we're doing. Um, and that's that's quite exhausting, I think, particularly because you know, in, any meeting I'm in now, whether it's internal with the team or external with with a client or a customer, I I find that. Yeah, I, I can I can cast quite a big shadow. You know, if I'm in a bad mood in a team meeting, that rubs <laughs> off, and everyone is in a bad mood for the rest of the day. Um, so you know, if, if I'm in a positive mood and I'm you know, inspiring people, that I get the best out of people that way. So having to be like that, regardless of what personal mood you may be in, is is tough. As I think it's any business though, isn't it? It's any any business leader has that. But I th- I do I do. It's interesting. Everyone I know who has as someone who like I don't I don't have to run a business. I have a team, but ultimately I'm not responsible for their wage or you know I can talk to my bosses, but it's not the they want holiday. That's fine. But I, I really bond with them. But the pressure of their career and the fact that and this is where I was going to go with this question is that because you're growing people want to join the team because they believe it's going to grow and, and their career can grow with them and things. And I guess that's the kind of confidence that must come with the accelerated viewers. People understand, they can literally see the progress going up, right? So they're like, yeah, we'll leave. And Yeah, and I can't, like obviously I can't speak for my team personally, but I, I believe they are very motivated behind our vision and they, they love seeing their work you know, viewed and seeing the instant traction and reward for it. You know, I've, we've got one guy who used to work for a print magazine who said, you know, I, I used to write these articles and I never know if anyone actually read them. Whereas here, I can see half a million hits in a week and I, I'm like, oh, great. And I can see the comments, I can see the engagement. So they, they kind of love that side, which is cool. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's, it's, it's been cool to keep people motivated and engaged that way. But I, another thing I find is I, I'm almost totally consumed with BYM at the minute. It is my, I kind of live and breathe outside of, outside of family life. Um, so kind of time for especially with two small children as well time for kind of friends or mates particularly in 2020 when I had to see each other anyway <clears> has been quite tricky so I do find myself getting quite close to the team and quite matey with the team you know, we've, got, we've got a great culture and everything but ultimately I am their boss so you know if I have to furlough them or give them a pay rise or promote them or demote them that's that's tough so. yeah how have you uh, how, how do you find it around your children like, and around family life i mean i don't know many people probably won't know that your your eldest son was actually named after me you know <laughs> which is amazing i mean i can't believe you did it <laughs> I just, we hadn't even met yet and you'd already named it it's obviously new but like yeah because it's it must be so full-on so relentlessly in the back of your head are you what are your working hours like are they insane are they long or is it just that's a good question so i've, I've got a lot better with that because that was a big problem i had initially but my children have kind of forced work-life balance which is great you know when I think I said in the last podcast, actually, you know, when you get home at the end of the day, they're, they're there looking for you to be their dad and look after them and, and take care of them. So that's been, that's been cool. It's been a good way to kind of force work-life balance. Um, but again, I've, I've got a lot better at that. You know, I used to work every single hour of the day. I still have long nights. I still work most weekends, but it is, it's more managed now because I've got more of a team and more infrastructure with me, which is, which is great. So you, you feel like the, the work-life balance because of working from home is actually better now because you're kind of there even though mentally you might not be there but you're there in the building because i found that my son can just walk into my room and there's like dad's there and he's like this is great and you're like i'm in a meeting just and his little hand keeps coming up and <laughs> i'm quite lucky because we we in before covid we had a, a home office that was separate to our house so i'm quite lucky because i can go to work and shut a door and i'm actually at work for the day and i'm separate from my household so that's been that's been nice. It's been good because I got to see them this year because there were there were so many trips planned. You know, we had we had events in Sydney, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, all kind of 
mapped out for 2020 and there were plus with filming in, in all kinds of different locations i was going to be away for a huge chunk of the year which i was a bit daunted by really um you know it's one thing to see in the world but then missing out on your kids growing up is is tough um so all that came back which is great and i got to see them and i got to see them grow up. i got to have lunch with them every day um so yeah it's been that's that's been really nice as you're getting a fish finger thrown at your head, you're like, I could have been in LA now. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for you guys. My daughter once uh, sneezed with a mouthful of Weetabix, which was, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the, uh, the, the term, the, the concept of pebble dashing, but that was basically what happened. You're like, I'm a bloody big guy on YouTube. I think you sneezed on like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, actually, so if people are thinking of starting out on YouTube, because we'd mentioned this thing about like this iceberg thing. It's like, oh, well, you, you know, you did it. It's taken this time. Do you think that, it will, have you ridden the kind of crest of good timing that YouTube was growing exponentially itself? Or do you think anyone now, not anyone, but you could, you'd still have the same possibilities now that you could grow a channel in YouTube? Or do you think there's too much content now? And No, it's, it's still completely doable. You know, if you, <laughs> there is a lot of content, but if you make good content... In, in the right way then yes you can definitely be successful I wouldn't, I wouldn't put anyone off for that reason um, I'm I'm in a great place now where I've, I've stuck at something for a very long time and through a lot of personal sacrifice it is got somewhere and I've got a great team great momentum massive revenue huge growth plans it's, it's going the, I've got the world at my feet which is awesome it's absolutely awesome it's tough it's hard work but to be where I am is, is phenomenal with it I think my big message to people just be don't underestimate it because it it's taken a lot from me and it's starting to pay off now which is great but getting getting there was extremely difficult um on all kinds of fronts from from you know the time it took away from my family to my mental health my uh you know relationship with people around me um having to let people go uh people writing things about me in the industry that weren't very nice uh you know all that kind of stuff has just it's been it's aged me <laughs> well, I, I think it's really healthy to hear the realities because I do think like the joys of YouTube are so big. They're amazing. But also it, it is incredibly hard to make accessible from like the first video. How, what, when, what year was the very first video that you put on just to give people an idea of the timeline? Uh, 2012. But obviously I was I was working full time somewhere else then. So it was very patchy and disorganized. Uh, and I was doing it in the evenings and after work and stuff. And it's when I when I managed to start going part-time on it and then full-time on it in 2015, uh, we started to get somewhere. I didn't have the best people around me at that time. We we, we addressed that quite painfully um, and we went through a series of letting people go, which was tough, but uh, that massively paid off because as soon as we got over all that rubbish, everything has taken off. Yeah, I can almost point to the day where the weight was lifted and we, we just started cracking on and from there it's been hugely successful. Because I think for anyone watching it, you can tell that it's, it's refined so much now. I think it's really good. And I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm nearing the hour mark, so, so I'll wrap up now. But um, you mentioned a little bit about next year. And it, you mentioned <laughs> about like, it, it over like kind of extending and things. I guess where I'm going is that, um, you know, you look at like Casey Neistat, who's moved. But then you look at like Marcus Brownlee, the Unbox Therapy. A lot of these guys have suddenly gone from being like really good professional videos. But now they have like incredible studios it's all filmed in like 4k it's like amazing to look at it from every single angle oh, fire engines um 
Do you think, is that like, a, is is having that studio environment really making the B1M be more than YouTube in, in actually having a personality of a set or something? Is that, is that something you're thinking of? Uh, that's not on the cards. I can I can reveal now. That's not something we're kind of looking at. I think uh, by nature, what we do, it's kind of it is the built world, and it's out there, and there's people living in it, and enjoying it, and designing it, and being shaped by it every day. So I think that's where the action is, and that's kind of where we're where we're looking to do things. Um, this this year again has has taught us fantastic. We we can have remote working edit stations in the US, in the UK. We can have people working in different countries. Uh, you know, my project manager is currently working from the Caribbean. You know, it's it's. It's all kind of stuff like that where we can, we don't need that, the, the kind of the, the cost and the constraints of those kind of things, which is which is good. So we've, yeah, we want to we want to massively scale it. We want to massively increase the production quality and and really put this on a on you know world class standards. You know, as you know, good enough to be on TV and Netflix is is the idea. Um, and yeah, we've got loads of cool plans to do that through through expanding what we're doing. Well, I've got two suggestions for you. I'm going to win the podcast news. <coughs> Suggestion number rename one. Rename it to Ben. Close, close. Okay, yeah, one, rename it to Ben. That'd be good. <laughs> Alternatively, the B110. See what I've done there? 10 million subscribers. Just a suggestion. I'm just going to put Love it. it. And we'll, then, we'll, we'll put that on file. Yeah, good. Uh, ben Stewart, 2020. We'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, like on the end of like The Walking Dead and stuff, they have a roundtable discussion. They have like an after show discussion panel. I can do you an after-show discussion panel. Late night. Yeah, there you go. Like Bake Off Extra Slice. There you go, exactly. So Joe Swash. Those are my two suggestions for you. I'm your afters guy. Well, you know, obviously at this brainstorming stage, no idea is a bad idea. And we'll obviously keep those, <laughs> we'll keep those ideas off. I'm the, I'm the world's worst. When people, people come to me with a great idea, if I love it, I'll be like, oh my God, this is amazing. How are we going to do it? And I'll message them that day and we'll be like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to get going. When people come to me with a bad idea, I am so, especially in person, I'm rubbish at saying no. And I'll just be like, hmm, yeah, we could do. Yeah, no, yeah, what? I'm going to think about that. Let me let me think about that. Definitely. I need to get a lot better at saying just sod off. That's, yeah. that's crap. Get out. <laughs> just get out. Well, well that, my team are good at that now. They're, they're good at saying, they're good at defending. They, they can call the spiders blade. <laughs> like, Fred doesn't like it. How do you know? Because when I look at him, he doesn't. He hates it. He hates the idea. <laughs> well, that's, that's been great. Thank you so much for coming on. And I think, so if we line up for 2025, you'll have a billion subscribers by then. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're welcome. It's been awesome. I'm, I hope you'll be 40 by then. Christ. <laughs> Don't do that. It's so terrifying, isn't it? I'm working on a master plan at the moment. And uh, when it'll be finished, I'll be 50. And I was like, you know, when you like the first time you write 2021 in a file on your computer, like, oh, I was like 50. It's the first time I've ever thought I'd be 50. <laughs> It terrified me. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I remember people describing 2025 as the future. In 2025, there'd be robots and drones and spaceships everywhere. And yeah, now it's actually coming in five years' time. I think the funniest thing is that, it, like, the running joke in any of our renders and views of, like, you want to make it look futuristic to have some drones flying around because apparently that's the future. And I'm like, it's never, <laughs> ever going to happen. That's every architectural render at the moment, though, isn't it? Stick a drone in. They'll yeah. love that. Stick a robot in. They'll love that. It's a future. It's a robot. Is it? Is it the future? I don't know. Well, you'll tell me on the B1M. I'm sure I'll see a video on it. I'm like, okay, we'll now. define it. Yeah, exactly. Drones are the answer, guys. What? Okay, I'm going to end it on this. What are the big trends you think for next year? Um, ooh, that's a good one. I think timber construction is going to be huge, especially like, the whole kind of climate change thing and how we make this industry much less impactful to the environment is massive. And I think timber and timber construction is a really big thing. 
I think offsite manufacturing is going to be massive, particularly with the, the skills crisis and the rise of technology and the demand for more buildings than ever at a higher quality than ever before. Um, kind of, yeah, linked into that kind of automation again um, is, is a big thing there. And I also think that the changing face of cities, which is a massive, massive topic, because this whole concept of let's all commute like rats every day into the center of a big city where our offices are and then all commute out again to where our homes are um, and build massive infrastructure projects like Crossrail and the Grand Paris Express to connect suburbs to city centers is all now in question because a lot of big firms have realized they don't need big glossy offices in the center of town they can work from anywhere so that kind of shifting business model and the shifting dynamics of city centers is going to be interesting it'll be interesting to see I think cities will come back after COVID, of course, but it's going to be interesting seeing in what form and what guise. So that's going to be a, a big challenge for the industry as well. You basically have just touched on uh, all the things I'm doing on a master plan at the moment. So literally the whole development is like, how do you do DFMA? How do you do modular yeah. construction? How do we get timber in it? How do we get zero carbon, like zero waste? And you try and put all of those things together. It's really difficult to get them all. Uh, but you, we are doing it from like the very beginning before an even outline master planning application. It's like wow. trying to understand how do you, how do you even start to design something around a construction system that's owned by a company? Well, it can't be too focused on one company it has to be open enough, but yeah. ultimately that's like trying to buy five different Lego sets from five different manufacturers. It's like, which one do I go for? <laughs> all those trends I just spoke about as well, they're all completely interconnected, which is why you've got a slightly waffly confused answer no, where I was like, oh yeah, and this, oh yeah, and this. Because it is all it is all completely interconnected. So you can't really do, you try and do one thing and then you realize, oh, actually we should do all these other things as well. So yeah, yeah like, use timber, <laughs> but modular timber can't do this. And for fire regulations, you can't go above this height. And then the client's like, oh, there's so many different variables. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. That's been really, really nice. No, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Ben. Cheers. I really appreciate it. Thanks. There you go. That was episode 25 with Fred Mills. I think you can agree that that uh, has all the in-depth kind of information you'd want from someone in that position uh, so thank you so much for fred for letting me record that with him um i should point out that was recorded like well before christmas i did a flurry of podcasts um to to kind of tide me over before lockdown kicked in so yeah thank you to fred and on the next episode we have justin nichols who is the founder of fathom architects who is someone i have known for quite a long time and also he used to work with me or i used to work with him uh, but he started his own business and it's a really successful architecture company it's come from strength to strength and it was really really good fun so tune into that next time and uh, thank you so much for listening and click subscribe if you've enjoyed this and also go on our instagram account which is create more podcasts or find us at our website at createmorepodcast.com also a special shout out to joe um, who has been helping me produce these and do all of the social media and he's been so helpful for doing this so thank you so much joe for helping me thank you everyone bye 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.